Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. My Gazette colleague and fellow Philadelphia Phillies fan Adam Schindler will be on later for his weekly look at high school football. But first... Balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes. And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? Oh, his 10th career home run of the postseason. And he may never hit a bigger one. Wow. Four to three Phillies in the bottom of the eighth inning. Crazy. Crazy. Worth every penny of that contract just for that. That's Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson on Sports Radio 94 WIP with the call of Bryce Harper's two-run homer in the eighth inning Sunday that lifted the Philadelphia Phillies to a 4-3 victory over the San Diego Padres to win the National League Championship and advance to the World Series against the Houston Astros. To talk about that and all the good vibes going on in Philadelphia sports is the number one sports fan in Philadelphia sports fan at ESPN, Sports Center's Kevin Nagandi. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast and have you come down from Sunday? Hard to, hard to come down, Ken. Uh, it's been quite a run and, um, you know, my approach has always been it since, since, you know, they got in the playoffs, my approach, and it's very similar to the Eagles start the season is, hey, just, just live in the moment. Let's just not think about what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's just enjoy where we're at right now. And honestly, it's kind of paid off throughout the whole October run where this team was in mid-September. Um, and I think they've embraced that experience as well. So I, I don't plan on coming down. I, I understand, you know, it's a layoff in between, but I think that layoff will, will do wonders for that pitching staff that has kind of figured things out, especially the bullpen on the back end where it's been honestly uh, a major disaster for the Phillies over the last three years. So it's been uh, one of the nicest surprises that we could ever experience as a Philadelphia fan. When you hear that call, from Francie, I mean, it's been played all over the place, Twitter. When you hear that call, how does that still give you chills to me a few days later after that? Because I, I mean, I, I'm still emotional listening to that. I am, you know, and 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 Scott's been great on this. And how he's calling it, he's calling it a, like how we would experience it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was watching the game with my family, and when Bryce came up, I, I don't like to do this. I, you know, my ten year old son, my eight year old son, they're heavily involved, my six-year-old daughter's, you know, watching it, but she's just like, you know, what are these boys doing, right? And when they're, when they're watching, I don't like to, um, I don't like to kind of put something in their head where, oh, this is what's going to happen and they'll, they'll be deflated or be negative, right? I, I specifically said it out loud 
I said, he's going yard. And they were like, what? And I was like, I think he's going to go yard in this at-bat. And when it all happened, it was just euphoria in, in our basement, I think, like every Philadelphia uh, fan with, that was experiencing it. Because it, it was a very storybook, right? Yeah. Like, Bryce Harper comes here. Everybody's doubting, oh, he's going to be gone within a few years. He misses two months of the season. You know, we find out later on, he's like, let's give them something to remember what he says in the dugout to hitting coach Kevin Long. And and then he delivers. Like, I, I can't remember any other moment where a superstar with the expectations who's met the moment each time in every playoff at bat and then delivers that with that crowd uh, to get them over the top. I, I can't. I can't imagine a more perfect scenario, and I think Scott did a great job. And then you hear Larry in the background, like, <laughs> who's seen it all, right? Yeah. Ken? Like, he has seen the ups and downs. He's experienced the highs and lows and as a player and as a broadcaster. And to get his general reaction immediately with no filter, there's just – it's just nothing better, and it's the shot that's going to be played and the call that's going to be played forever and ever, just like how Harry Callis called the final out with uh, Brad Lidge to win the 2008 World Series. Yeah, I can go back to my childhood, my my, my um, senior year uh, in 1980 in high school when Mike Schmidt hit the home run against mm-hmm. Stan Bonson, and, and, and the X ratings of that wild uh, game that clinched the NL East in 1980, which you know, propelled them on to the – yeah, meet the Astros in the NLCS and that memorable NLCS that ended up winning the World Series. And, of course, I remember the radio call of Andy Musser. He goes, I, I thought he was, that was the better call than Harry, actually, because you know, he goes, he buried it! He buried it! Uh-huh. And I just, that, that, I think that moment to me, what Bryce did, that, that brought up that kind of memory. And I was, at, I was working that Sunday. My son was my 22-year-old son who was born here, but I've raised him right. He's a Philadelphia sports fan through and through. <laughs> And I started going jumping around the office. There's two other people in the office wondering what the hell is going on. And then my son's calling. He's just screaming like crazy. And and then when they wanted it, it was just I spent it a half hour crying at my desk. That's how emotional it was for me. Because can I understand? Like totally, I totally understand that that emotion can be overwhelming. And it is the joy of being a sports fan. The connections we have with our our families. And and again, like. I think that we don't take we don't we don't have a lot of winning, so we don't take it for granted. So when it happens, we understand what the moment is like and why it's why it's going to be a big deal, not just today, but down the road when we look back. Right? Yeah. Um, those same feelings will always come back. Same way, you know, with Super Bowl Fifty Two, the, the same feelings come back. Mm-hmm. You know, as we are four years removed from twenty eighteen. We still understand what we were doing that day, what it was like, what was going through our mind, how nervous we were, what what the joy was afterwards. And I think I think that is relatable to this experience, regardless of what happens in the series against the Astros. Yeah. We'll always have this run. And Ken, the other thing about this specific run, it is so unexpected. Yes. There's yes. a difference between the expectations of a team. And then you have a team that's just finally everything coming together. Mm-hmm. And look, you and I were not feeling this way when they closed out the season in Houston. No. Right? <laughs> uh, and by the way, that's the last time the Astros have lost a game. Yeah. We weren't feeling this way. We were just like, just get into the playoffs, please. And so to be on this journey with this team and their reaction, because I think they've had the same experiences. And also, 
one one side note too to do it in Philadelphia, especially with a lot of these guys uh, experiencing the playoffs for the first time, and then experiencing the playoffs for the first time in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where they understand now, yeah, you know, the fan base, and they connect with the fan base. Uh, that's the other part of this that's going to be pretty special, and that's why, like Ken, you know, I I, I was there when they honored the 1980 team earlier this summer, and. They're going to be this. This group is going to come back in five to ten years to be celebrated and honored again because of this magical run. Yeah, because I, I, you look back at me, twenty two and twenty nine when they fired Joe Girardi as manager, bring in Rob Thompson for the uh, to be the interim manager, and I, I wanted Girardi gone after the seven. They blew the seven one lead against the Mets. I wanted him gone after they you know blew that game, uh, the Sunday night baseball game, Memorial Day mm-hmm. weekend. My son and I were at that game uh, down at City Field, and then we went to one other game. I went to, I think, five games all year, and I saw him win once, and that was when I was visiting my mom in Philly uh, against the Braves. I, I mean, to me, you know, they got hot, and then you know, the September swoon started. I was like, oh, here we go again, and you know, uh-huh. 1964 and all this stuff. And uh, I, I think, to me, what this team has done, and, you know, the fever. I think the 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 fanatic fans are back, and it's great to see. And, and, and I think Scott described it perfectly. Uh, Bedlam at the bank, and that's uh, and that's what it is right now. And I, I think you know, if the Phillies can split down to Houston, I don't think that series will go back to Houston. That's all we could ask for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've gotten. The best part of this playoff run, too, for the team and their success, has been winning and playing on the road. Mm-hmm. So there's no pressure from the beginning. You know, put the pressure on the Cardinals, which stunningly, uh, I still can't believe, you know, the error and the defensive decisions by Arnato and Goldschmidt in game one, where you're like, whoa, 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 they did this? You know, um, when the pressure's on somebody else, it helps, and this team then gets loose, right? And, and when you have Wheeler doing what he does, setting the tone and giving us – vintage Roy Halladay type of starts. And then you have Nola, who doesn't feel like the pressure and the weight of the world is on his back on every start. Uh, it, it just changes the entire outlook of the team. I will also add this. We can't stress enough, considering what we've seen from the bullpen over the last yeah. three years, <laughs> having Dominguez and Alvarado, you know, basically reach their potential at the right time, is incredible because Dominguez, uh, I can't put in words how, what a difference it is when you feel like the pitcher that's on the mound is going to go home with the same lead yeah. <laughs> and when he's on the bump, right? right? So it's just a different vibe. And Alvarado, his stuff is so nasty and he'll give you a good inning and that's all you can ask for and you just turn the page and, um, Again, it's all come together at the right time. Yeah, you mentioned those two pitches. I think that when Dominguez struck out Goldschmidt in Game Two with, in a tough situation, all of a sudden it's something like because he had struggled down the stretch in September. All of a sudden, something clicked at him, and he got he's got gained tons of confidence. And with Alvarado, I he was I've always you know, tweeted this you know, prior to him getting sent down uh, to Lehigh Valley to work on his mechanics. He was a he was a thrower, not a pitcher, but now mm. he is a pitcher. Because he knows what he's doing, he has control of his pitches, which he didn't before. You know, you occasionally you see maybe he gets out of rhythm from maybe one or one pitch or two, but it's a remarkable turnaround with him. It really is, 
And and I thought Robbie's done a, a tremendous job at having confidence with the guys and going back at them multiple times. And um, you just hope they can maintain that. My, the the concern is the Astros are, have so much depth in their bullpen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just have depth everywhere. Um, and I, I'm the Phillies do not have depth in the middle part of their bullpen. And, you know, you start getting concerned when you see Brad Hand come out there, and, and especially against that lineup oh. with Alvarez. Um, so I, I'm holding my breath, and I'm with you. All we're asking for, I think, from this team is get a split, get a split in Houston. Let's see where we're at when it comes to the next three games in Philly. Uh, because let me tell you, next Monday night, Halloween night, game three, uh, will be – Absolutely insane. If they thought the Padres, the Philly players, if they thought the Padres series was wild, yeah. I, I don't think um, I don't think anybody can describe to them what it's going to be like. They have to experience what Game Three is going to be like Monday night. Yeah, it's it's going to be just make, make, it could cause uh, readings on the Richter scale after the house. You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what has Rob Thompson brought to this team? Because he he's been a good soldier, a bench coach of the Yankees. He came. Joined the Phillies under Gabe Kapler, uh, takes over with Joe Girardi. He basically really didn't do as good a job as I think everybody thought he would when he came here. What has Rob Thompson brought? And is a two-year extension should that be more like five years at this point? I think the two-year extension is very smart. Yeah. Um, I think he definitely needed to be rewarded. I think the two-year extension gives them an idea because this approach that Rob has is, hey. I'm going to treat you guys like men and you guys can figure this stuff out. I don't need to put undue pressure, but at the same time, I'm okay with the idea of playing younger guys. What what was the difference, right? Like the the legit difference, the younger guys under Joe were super tight. They were, you know, jerked around. If they made a mistake like the Alec Bones of the world, will they play the next day? No one knows. Bryson Stott, the moment, like, you know, Segura came back, they, they felt like, okay, you know what, we're going to let D.D. go. And let, let, let Stott figure it out every day. I, I think Robbie allows this, this team to say, you guys are all grown men, you guys are going to figure it out. We'll be there with you, we'll be as supportive as possible, but sometimes when you don't have to look over your shoulder and when you make a mistake, it's okay and the team will move on, I think that's when you play your best. And I think that difference can can change the entire outlook of a team coming in on a daily basis, right? You, the grind of baseball is, can you forget about what you did yesterday? And unfortunately, if you're going to be replaced constantly, you can't forgive yourself if you make a mistake because you're not playing tomorrow. And I think Robbie was just always like, you're going to play tomorrow regardless. I know you made a mistake. You're coming back. I think that carries a lot of weight in the clubhouse, that is grinding, that feels the expectations, that has an enormous payroll that I, I I think it carried over. And some of the, you know, that daycare group, some of those guys have delivered so many big hits or big at-bats mm-hmm. and big moments to carry the veterans who have been struggling. Uh, it paid off, man. There were, there were a couple of, especially that Braves uh, series uh, with Ranger. Like, yeah. it was, you know, Rangers struggling and at the bottom of that lineup found a way, right, yeah. to carry the top of the lineup a little bit and and another part of this run that has really stood out is it's not on one guy and 
in the beginning part of that series with the Padres, it, Schwarber and Hoskins were struggling, and other guys picked it up. They found a way around those guys. And then we found Schwarber get on track. Then we found Hoskins get on track with the deep ball. Yeah. And it just changes the entire outlook. And the fact that, you know, Rob, you know, you know people on Twitter are saying, oh, change the lineup, get Schwarber out of uh, the lead spot, put somebody else in there. But he stays with the same lineup. And, yeah. I mean, how important is that? Because we, we saw, you know, Girardi and, me, and even Gabe Kapler, you know, move people around. He just never had a consistent lineup. 100%. And that goes to, hey, what am I doing every day? Um, how, how does he view me? I think I think if there's a consistency, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. We know we're close. Eventually, you're going to break through, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 guys like Schwarber, listen. I was one of the guys that said, "Hey, maybe we need to change the lineup a little bit." And boom, next game, Hoskins goes deep, right? right. So uh, that's why Robbie's in that position. And uh, you know, I, I there were some things I questioned about his decision making when it came to the bullpen in the last game. But he's deserved the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. He has earned every single bit of it. And the way he understood the moment where Robertson came in and was just like, all right, we're done. Uh, I'm going to put in the guy who has you know a heart rate of 62 regardless of the situation, the Ranger. It paid off because yeah. Ranger was perfect. And look, look what happens. Grisham tries to bunt, and you have one of the best, a guy who should be considered to win the gold glove, but he's not even in that, the, a finalist. Ranger is a phenomenal defensive player and fielder at the position, so you drop a button, he's right there to get that second out, which was huge to get the pop-up on the next at-bat. So it just shows you everything Robbie's doing. You know, you could have your doubts, but in the end, Robbie Robbie understands a lot more than any of us. That's why we run with Rob. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. how do you see this series? What what's going to be the element? What's going to be a key for the Phillies to? Yeah, I think I think a lot of America is actually rooting for the Phillies because of the, you know, the Astros cheating scandal of twenty seventeen is still you know, a stain on this or on that organization. Yeah, Dusty Baker's you know sort of you know smooth things over, but I think there's still a lot of people that don't want the Astros to win this series. I can tell you this: when the the postseason started. On the, you know, after you saw what the Ashers did in coming back against the Mariners, uh, it, it was uh, a head turner. And then you see Alvarez and you're like, good gosh, you can't you can't throw that ball anywhere near the strike zone. Um, you know, he, he's their version of Bryce Harper right now. So I will say I, I know Dusty, Dusty and I had the chance to work together at ESP. I love Dusty. I, I want Dusty to win, or I wanted Dusty to win. Um, that, that has clearly changed. How I see this series, I, I think this is a six-game series. Um, and if it goes seven, I think that benefits the Phillies. If it's a six-game series, my concern is is that if they don't get one in Houston, it's going to be tough because you have a bullpen game, of course, with game four. Yeah. Um, the defense will have to play well because the Astros can put the ball in play. And that puts the pressure on whether the defense responds. Um, so I, I'm, I'm also, and I brought this up earlier. I'm, I'm very concerned about the middle relief uh, for the Phillies. And they just, you know, one or two mistakes that that Asher's team is going to make you pay. And they're doing well without Altuve. Yeah. Altuve is yet to hit. <laughs> and good <laughs> gosh, let's hope that continues because uh, if he starts hitting the ball. 
it, it's hard to get an out in this lineup, especially the top part and the confidence that they have. So to me, this, this series comes down to can Wheeler, can Nola get a W in Houston? And if so, then we've got a series. If they can't, uh, I'm holding my breath on how it plays out uh, the next three in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot to knock the Eagles off the front page and then the uh, sports talk world, but the <laughs> yeah. have done that. Well, the, our Eagles are 6-0 and right now coming off the bye. They got Pittsburgh on Sunday. I mean, how pleasantly surprised are you with the way they've played? And Jalen Hurts, my goodness. Uh, I mean, we heard us talking to you know, this training camp that he only doesn't, doesn't look good, la, 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 and all that. But it's training camp. You're trying to get ready for the season. And he has been phenomenal. He's been amazing. And he he's perfect for the way I think uh, Sirianni has put together this team with Howie. Like, they, that's another example of just letting Jalen grow, right? And Sirianni's a uh, – yeah. I have been so impressed with Sirianni. His adjustments, his awareness of the locker room, uh, pressing the right buttons at the right time. He, he's just I, he, there's an, uh, an emotional intelligence that Sirianni has that I think has played a huge role in the success of this team. My approach with the Eagles is this: I, I'm pretty simple here. The start's been amazing. Let's just get to the postseason healthy. Yeah, uh, like I people are. Oh, they they're gonna do this. They're gonna win this many. Games. And I, I like I care less. Just get to the postseason healthy. Because if you can get to the postseason healthy, if you have Lane Johnson healthy, who I think is the most important guy on the team, and hopefully he's uh, better after the concussion, it changes the entire team. Just get to the dance, and then let's figure it out. Because I think Jalen's growth has been great. But the second half of the season, you're going to see smart defensive coordinators adjust. Let's see what you know the next chess move is after the adjustments are made by opposing defenses against Jalen. Because Jalen's ability to, to spread the ball around, he's done great with that, move around the pocket, has been phenomenal. And his accuracy is just shows you what A.J. Brown has brought to the team as a safety valve. I... I, I I look at this team, especially when I say health. Jalen also takes a lot of fourth and one hits yeah. <laughs> with the sneak. It works, but I, I just want this team to make sure that they are together at the end of the season because then they can make a deep run. They're built to make a deep run. Can that defensive line stay healthy? Can the offensive line stay healthy? Because um, if they can... I'm pretty excited about uh, down the road. Let everybody, and, and one thing I'll say, Kent, let everybody talk about Tom Brady and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Dak Prescott. Talk about all those other teams. I'm good. <laughs> that, that to me, talk about the Giants. Yep. Gas them up. You know, uh, I, talk about the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey and all that. To me, that actually helps the Eagles because playing the role of underdog is where I think uh, they identify with and, and we're good with that space. I mean, I like to see them you know, maybe go, you know, clinch, clinch the division early, clinch the top seed early. That way, you can maybe spend the last three, four games of the season, play the starters for a half, and then put the uh, reserves in for the second half. And uh, that way, you, you, they do get some work and and keep then keep the the number one guys healthy as well. So we'll we'll see how that goes down the road. Of course, you uh, host college football studio show on ABC on Saturdays. Uh, with uh, Booger McFarland. Uh, how, how have you seen the college football season so far? Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot more, Ken, like later in 
in the next few weeks. You know, Penn State with Ohio State this weekend. I think Ohio State's the, the most complete offense we'll see in college football. Tennessee is right behind them. Um, Tennessee over the next two weeks will be tested with Kentucky and then obviously Georgia the following week. And, and I, I want to learn a little bit about Georgia because Georgia took a ton of hits uh, with losing so many players to the draft. The defense is pretty good, but where's this offense? Where are the playmakers on the outside? Because that's how you're kind of determining this team. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, Michigan – and Ohio State will determine who's going, I think, to the playoff. I think Tennessee-Georgia will decide who's playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. And where is Alabama? Because that secondary doesn't have the speed that we've seen in previous years. They've got athletes. They just don't have the speed. Um, and they got a phenomenal quarterback that can carry that team. Where are the playmakers on the outside that we've been spoiled in watching? that you see right now at Ohio State, and you're like, good gosh, they missed one guy, it's the next man up who's dominant. So right now, to me, in the beginning of the season, I felt like it was Alabama versus Ohio State, and Ohio State will win the national championship. I still feel Ohio State will get to the national championship. I'm curious to see where this Alabama team is at the end of November leading into December. And I can't figure out Clemson. I I, I don't think anybody can at, at, at... the quarterback position, they're just tough to watch and understanding. They put up points, but they just don't look smooth about it. They have a great defensive front with a handful of guys that are going to play on Sundays, and that's the identity of Clemson that we've seen in the past. But do they have anybody that can, that can stretch the field when you play You know the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Alabamas of the world? Do they have that? I don't know if Clemson has that this year. So, um, one other side note, keep an eye on Oregon. Now, I know they got boat raced by Georgia at the start of the season, but Oregon's schedule, the way it shakes out, mid-November against Utah, but if they can get through that and a couple of these other teams start losing, Oregon's going to be in the playoff mix because of the way the the schedule shakes shakes out for them. Yeah, I mean, I I was... I really, I haven't really paid much attention. And by the way, Syracuse got robbed uh, against Clemson last Saturday. They did, yeah. they did. I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, but this, uh, Tennessee, I mean, they've been sort of dormant the last few years. All of a sudden, I think they're number three in the country now. They had that big win in Alabama. Fans storming the field. SEC finds them, which I think is stupid. Um, but what about the Volunteers? I mean, it's just almost that's so, so, sort of a feel-good story. What's going on there? Yeah, and they've done it without their number one wide receiver, Cedric Tillman, for most of the season. Uh, Heupel's done a phenomenal job, Josh Heupel, on this offense. And a ton of credit goes to Hendon Hooker. You're talking about a guy that, you know, at Virginia Tech, he's trying to find his way. He transfers. And the patience that they've had with Hendon Hooker, I think it's 19 straight games. He's had multiple touchdown passes. They have so many weapons on the outside, led by Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I think Hendon Hooker's... Uh, maturity and his accuracy and his ability to take advantage of everything that's in front of him because he's seeing so many different things thrown at him defensively. But they have, their play calling has been fantastic. So I really like Tennessee. I, I cannot wait for the matchup against Georgia because he, that's going to be the best defense he's going to see. And how how Kirby puts together a game plan after what Alabama did against because Alabama couldn't slow Hendon Hooker down. Mm-hmm. And can Georgia do that? 
um, will be the challenge. That'll be, uh, to me, the, the game of the year, aside from Ohio State-Michigan. Um, so I can't wait to see how uh, Hendon Hooker responds. Let me tell you, if Hendon Hooker beats Georgia, Hendon Hooker's on his way to winning the Heisman. Yeah. Because uh, that, that wins against Alabama and wins against Georgia, mm-hmm. um, he, he most certainly deserves it. He's right now in a close battle against C.J. Stroud uh, for that, uh, that award. Final question for you, Kevin. How's your uh, Sports Center co-anchor Al Duncan how, ha- handling all this success with Philadelphia? <laughs> you know, Ken, she's great. You know, and and I love her as a teammate. Yeah. You know, we're very good friends. She's a great trash talker. Um, she does not uh, take losing well. So we've had a heck of a lot of fun. You know, obviously the Sixers losing to the Hawks uh, in the playoffs um, in twenty was it 2021 and dealing with all her trash talk with that mm-hmm. I, it, it's just been enjoyable to see what the Phillies have done to her Braves and you know uh L is a good sport behind the scenes she handles it really well uh, on camera we have a lot of fun with each other with the back and forth and uh, let me tell you I think she's a little stressed about what's going on uh with this Georgia team as they get ready for Tennessee so it's it's been a fun run and um, I'm lucky to call her uh, a teammate and a good friend. And it's, you know, the 6 p.m. Sports Center is all about making sure that the audience has fun with us. Yeah, I, I, it comes across. I mean, you guys do have a good time. And as I commented to you on Instagram, uh, you should have made her pay for the cheesesteaks. <laughs> well, it was a surprise to her. And, and you know, I had to make sure I had to give her something authentic. So you're right. But in the end, everybody got to enjoy it. Our crew uh, and, and great work by uh, Phillies here in uh, the this, this state of Connecticut. You don't often get a really good cheesesteak and my buddy uh, Shem at Phillies uh, does a great job. So, to me, it was worth watching her eat crow. Yeah. Well, we had a Philly sports bar in suburban Albany in Latham, New York. So, my son and I go to watch the Eagles over there. And there's a few other Eagles fans. And uh, when, when they beat the Cardinals in the wide right game, and uh, we were just going nuts and then singing the Eagles fight song. So, it's uh, usually my, my, on Mondays, my voice is somewhere shot between you know, scratchy and, not, and very uh, barely audible. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a big, great run, Kevin. Four more games. That's all we need. Four more. Yeah. Four more, man. Ken, I appreciate it. It's been a great run, and uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming back on, Kevin. Thanks again, and uh, go Phils. I hope. <laughs> That's Kevin Nagandi. We'll talk high school football with Mike Gazette's colleague and Philadelphia Phillies fan, Adam Schinder, next here on the Parting Shots Podcast. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in New York. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and Adam Schinder, my Gazette colleague, is here to talk high school football. 
But before we do that, Adam, our Philadelphia Phillies are going to the World Series. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> short, short answer, no. I, I, 22 days before they went to the World Series, they played the first game of a doubleheader in Washington so poorly that they had to finish a game with a reserve infielder who didn't even make the postseason roster on the mound. Uh, looked to the whole world like they were going to blow it in the end of the regular season, but I think this was a team that you just waited to see. They were built for the postseason. You get them in, something could happen, and, and something and, happened. And them. before that, they got swept at Chicago in three games. You think, oh, here we go. Oh, we're going oh, yeah. to they're choke this a, away. A team with that record against Chicago and uh, the Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. The Giants, the yeah. Gi- yeah. It was... was uh, it's it's scarcely to be believed, and it's a uh, it'll be a fun ride no matter no matter what happens over the next week. <laughs> well, of course, we have we, we, as much as we love to focus on the World Series, we have to focus on football here. Yeah. So high school football, um, the Class C playoffs start Friday. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, the gate, the matchups in the uh, quarterfinals beginning with Cobble School Richmondville at Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. Yeah, uh, so the Class C is the only eight team uh, playoff. Everyone else uh, fourteen playoffs that start next week. Huge class and. Uh, Warrensburg Lake George North Warren uh, is one of the stories of the season. Undefeated, they've run through just about everybody. The only close game they had was an 18-7 win over uh, Schuylerville a couple weeks back that got sealed uh, with an extra touchdown pretty late in the game. They've won two games by 70 or more points Mm. this year. Uh, And looking at it, it did seem like the North Division was a stronger overall division than the South Division. Uh, This week is a long trip uh, for Cobles. That's about as long a North-South trip as you can get in Section 2, uh, it's going to be a very difficult game for the Bulldogs against a, a Cobalt Skill team that has a bunch of different weapons. Another matchup on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Ichabod Crane goes to Skylerville. Yeah, Ichabod Crane is the team that kind of came out of nowhere uh, to make the playoffs, beat Johnstown the last week, uh, kind of force some tiebreaker uh, stuff right at the end. Skylerville is a team that uh, comes in really limping, hadn't lost a regular season game in three years. They've now lost uh, two straight to both uh, Stillwater and, and Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren, lost their quarterback Lucas Sherman uh, in the uh, in the in the uh, Warrensburg game. Not sure of his status, uh, but they've only scored two touchdowns uh, with him out of the lineup. And one of those, the touchdown against Warrensburg, was a play where they threw an interception and then turned that interception into a fumble that they returned for touchdowns. Jeez. The offense has really, really struggled the past couple of weeks. But Skylerville's as well coached a team as there is in all of Section Two. Uh, and they were able to, the three-way tiebreaker worked out uh, in the North Division that they got the home game. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go. Let's take a look at Stillwater goes to Broad Elm Perth. Yeah, uh, really good for Broad Elm Perth. First-year coach Rick Wallace to get a home game, second place. Uh, they finished that regular season 5-3. and three. They lost to Skylerville when Skylerville was at full strength. They had a chance to maybe pull something off a week ago against Fonda, but Fonda Fultonville has looked really, really good this season. Uh, so, big game for them. Stillwater was a team that, uh, until last week, when they beat uh, Skylerville 7-6, had been the kind of high-variance team in mm-hmm. Section 2. Their first seven games, they either won by more than 30 or lost by more than 30. Uh, but it's a team, I went out there a couple of days ago, uh, chatted with Ian Godfrey, their coach. They're a team that has a lot of guys who have played in big games. A bunch of these guys were on the last year's team that went to the Class D Super Bowl. 
bunch of them were also big contributors on a basketball team that went to this uh, Class C state championship game last spring. Mm. And finally, uh, Fonda Fultonville hosting Hoosick Falls Tamarack. Yeah, we've seen this rivalry many, many times before. They faced twice last year, both really, really good games. Uh, there was going to be no easy draw for Fonda Fultonville against any of those top four teams in the North Division. But Fonda Fultonville has looked absolutely spectacular. They've, uh, they haven't allowed more than tw- uh, 13 points in a game all season. Three shutouts. Uh, just absolutely ran through their division. They haven't faced maybe the competition that the North Division teams have faced, but you can't really fault a team that's won uh, every game against its Section 2 opponents by uh, 35 or more points. Yeah, and uh, Final Boltonville in the final power rankings of the season was number one in Class C, followed by Warrensburg Lake, George North Warren, Stillwater, Schuylerville, and Hoosick Falls Tamarack with Cobleskill, Richmondville, and brought them Perth receiving votes. Yeah, this is not in any way a knock against uh, Warrensburg team that was number one the week before. I think uh, for most of our voters, myself included, what really happened was the Stillwater win over Schuylerville maybe just slightly lessened the impact of uh, Warrensburg's win the week before. And Fonda Fultonville, for what they've done this season, cannot be faulted at all. Mm-hmm. Those two teams really close. A healthy Schuylerville is really close. Class C playoffs are going to be uh, wild. Yeah. Well, let's take a look. The rest of the power rankings, Class AA, CBA ends up on top, followed by Shenandoah, Shaker, Saratoga Springs, and Gilderland. Yeah, this one's the uh, same as it's been for really a few weeks now. Uh, the hierarchy here has really mostly settled itself. There's a chance that we'll get to when we uh, discuss the rest of the regular season matchups that a couple of things could change, uh, but especially the top CBA Shen is pretty much locked yep. in at this point. And in uh, Class A, it's Burnhills, Boston Lake, Niskuna, Able Park, LaSalle, and Boston Spa with Amsterdam getting some votes. Yeah, Burnhills, again, has been the clear number one team. Uh, Niskuna has also looked really, really good since their one and two start. Those two teams have a huge game this week. Averill Park's already clinched the Capital Division title. LaSalle. Overtime loss to them. LaSalle's played two overtime games already this year. Uh, Boston Spa is going to be the hard luck team. They're already eliminated from the postseason. Probably going to finish the regular season 7-2. And And then Amsterdam. uh, Amsterdam has been so strange. They're just a heartbreaking loss to Troy last week. Uh, But they do still have an outside chance of getting in the playoffs. Over in uh, Class B, it's Glens Falls, Ravina, Quayman, Selkirk, Gloversville, Lansingburg, and Scotia Glenville. Yeah, another one that's been kind of no change for a couple of weeks now. And those top four heading to the last week of the regular season, completely locked in. Uh, Next week, playoffs are going to be Glens Falls and Lansingburg, Ravina hosting uh, Gloversville. And finally, Class D, uh, Cambridge, Salem, Chatham, Greenwich, Canterbury, Fort Plain, and Voorheesville. Yeah, another one that's locked in and really nothing. And they're in the regular season, but Class D teams in the regular in the last week of the regular season play non-playoff teams from Class C, so it's all just kind of crossover tune-up. We're going to get uh, Kanjo Fort playing going to Cambridge-Salem and Greenwich going to Chatham next yep. week. Well, there are some regular season games in Class AA, A, and B, of course, uh, as they wrap up their seasons. Mm-hmm. A couple of uh, AA games you're looking at. Uh, first, let's go with Colony at Saratoga Springs. Yeah, Saratoga Springs uh, is a win-and-in uh, right here, and that is, that's what the... the Blue Streaks need to do. They looked really, really good early in the season after that win over Gilderland. They've kind of hit a rough patch when they've had to face Shenandoah, CBA, and Shaker in three straight weeks, three straight losses. But they have the tiebreaker over Gilderland, so if they can get a win over a struggling Colony team, they're back in the playoffs. And the other double-A game, uh, Shenandoah hosting Gilderland. Yeah, this is now, uh, this is what Gilderland needs this win and a Saratoga Springs loss, and that can get them into the playoffs. Going to be tough. Shen's looked really, really good, uh, but Gilderland holding out some hope that they can get a win and a little help. And uh, three games in Class A you're highlighting. We mentioned Amsterdam. They're, they play, uh, or they're hosting LaSalle. 
Let's hope not a no three hard game with Amsterdam. Yeah, let's let's take LaSalle and Amsterdam, and then another game, Columbia okay. at Troy, okay. uh, kind of together here because they are kind of they're they're basically two parts of a whole. LaSalle has the very easy scenario: they win, they're in the playoffs. Uh, if Amsterdam wins this game, one of two things is going to happen. Uh, if Amsterdam beats LaSalle and Troy beats Columbia, we end up with a three-way tie. Oh, boy. Chaos. Quarter, quarter points come into a situation. Based on the math that I've got right now, it looks like all quarter point scenarios favor LaSalle. Mm-hmm. Explain the quarter points okay, the quarter, thing for fans. Okay, quarter points, the way they work is you get a point for being ahead at the end of each of the first three quarters. If you're, if you're losing, you get zero. If you're tied, you get a half point. If you're ahead at the end of the quarter, not win the quarter, but ahead for the total game score, you get one point. Then for the fourth quarter, if you win the game, you get four points. So there's a maximum of seven points that can be taken in each game. Okay. So, uh, and, and, good. and then the, so the, the quarter points scenario looks like it would favor LaSalle. They've, uh, been dom- they've been a little more dominant in their wins than either Amsterdam or Troy. Uh, and then if Amsterdam beats LaSalle and Columbia, which is Beating games against everyone. They were in one possession games against Amsterdam, LaSalle, and Averill Park. If that happens, it's a head-to-head between LaSalle and Amsterdam, and Amsterdam's in the playoffs. Wow. Well, it's a lot of fun on Friday night. Finally, Niskuna goes to Burnhill's Boston Lake. Yeah, probably the biggest uh, and most easily uh, simple figured out scenario of the week. These teams are both in the playoffs. They're both undefeated in their division. The winner's the Grosso Division champion. They host the second-place Capital Division team next week. The loser is second place. They go to Avril Park for the semifinals. So, really, uh, really interesting game. Niskayuna has looked really, really good uh, since they started out 1-2. and two. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun Friday night as we get set uh, right about the regular season and then get ready for the postseason and the, uh, the uh, class is not stabled uh, Class C. Yeah, it seems crazy. You know, every semifinal weekend's next weekend. We're only, uh, you know, a little more than two weeks away now from the Super Bowl. Hey, well, we'll preview that uh, next week. Thanks, Adam. And go Phillies. Go Phillies. All right. That's Adam Shinder. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners of the Daily Gazette's You Pick Up Football and Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks, the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up. And a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great, but playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates, and I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hello, this is John D. Augustine, the publisher at the Daily Gazette. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 7 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Ken Lashin of Schenectady. Ken wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Ken. 
The VIP winners were Dwayne Leach of All Season Equipment and, for the third straight week, me. I went 10-4 and four last week, while my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder was 8-6. and six. I am in the first place right now with a 65-42-1 record. Adam is 59-48-1. I'll announce the winner of the You Pick'em Football Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the You Pick'em Football banner. The Week 34 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest was John Halatic of Johnstown with 55 points. John wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, John! The VIP winners were Jessica Woodruff of Dave's Gourmet Burgers and Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC with 10 points each. I'll announce the winner of the Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Kevin DeGandhi and Adam Schinder for coming on the show. I'll have another college hockey podcast Thursday as we get you set for the start of ECAC hockey play between the Union and RPI men. I'll also have interviews with the Union women's team as it also begins ECAC hockey play this weekend with games at Clarkson and St. Lawrence. I hope you will listen. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, Email to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Shots. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day. Good sports.